Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. For the last few weeks, as we've encountered Jesus in the Gospels, the thought has more than once crossed my mind that Jesus might struggle holding down a full-time parish job as a priest. Just last week, he was talking about his mission, his mission to head to the cross when his chief follower, you could say his senior warden, Peter, reached out to him expressing some hesitation and doubts about his plans. And Jesus wheels on his senior warden and says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Yikes. This would never happen. And this week, we could just imagine Jesus being a new priest and being shown around the church building, perhaps being shown the beautiful stained glass taken on a tour, shown the wonderful pipe organ behind me, all the wonderful activities going on. And this person showing him around might ask him cheerfully, so Jesus, you see we've been blessed with this wonderful edifice here that can surely bring about good in this community. What are your plans for it? Well, I think we should tear it down. I've got another thing in mind and this building is just gonna hold us back. Huh? The person says, huh, we say, Jesus, are you out of your mind? And then the uncomfortable question gets asked. Um, Jesus, you're not angry, are you? For me, this gospel this morning brings up the difficult subject of anger. Jesus does appear to have some anger in the temple. And before we dive into what Jesus' anger, how it manifests, I want us to think a little bit about our own anger and how we deal with it. When you get angry, and I'm not saying if you get angry, but when you get angry, what do you do? Do you try and suppress it and hope it'll go away and will yourself up on the high road Or maybe like someone who's touched a hot stove, you quickly pull away from the situation that arouses it. Or you can take it out unconsciously or not on inappropriate people. We've all been there. In traffic, someone cuts you off and you find depths of anger that you didn't know you had. The problem, of course, with all of these ways of expressing anger is that none of them really solves anything. Anger turned inwards results in depression, often. While anger that is expressed, whether to someone's face or just on Facebook, while that often feels cathartic, it can also be damaging to those around us. Meanwhile, if it's something big that fuels your anger, a social crisis, like gun control or climate change or fair housing or equal pay, It can feel hard to ever remove yourself from the situation. There may not be any place to go. And perhaps that's why anger often feels so scary. And if our own anger unsettles us, what do we make of Jesus' anger? 
What do we make of love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus, turning over the tables of those making a dollar off temple sacrifices? The one who said, come to me, all ye who are weary, now making a whip of cords. Jesus, are you angry? I want to examine the cleansing of the temple through the lens of anger to see what we might learn from it about anger, both God's and ours. The gospel would suggest there's a time, a place, and an action that is appropriate, at least for Jesus, to express anger. First, the time. On the one hand, it seems like Jesus is is making his mark right at the beginning of his ministry, according to John's gospel. This is early on in John's gospel. You know, Jesus, the kind of CEO who hires and fires the minute he's appointed, almost before reaching the desk. The marketing department might call this seizing the moment for maximum impact. But of course, we know that Jesus is not acting on his own agenda. He's acting for God, expressing an anger that is tinged with longing that we heard in our Old Testament reading. God has been wishing and waiting and warning for so long. This is the one who is slow to anger for sure, really slow. The Passover festival, which the Jews are celebrating here in John 2, recalls the God who is merciful and gracious, who showed mercy and compassion to the Hebrews in slavery well over a thousand years earlier. God brought them out of Egypt to Sinai, the place where God and Israel could live in fellowship. And it's only after this in the Old Testament that we we begin to see anger emerge. When the precious people God has rescued live as if grace and rescue has not happened for them. On my reading, God's anger is the flip side to God's love. His passion for the world's fullness, so to speak. His abounding commitment of steadfast love to the thousandth generation, as we read in Exodus. Anger has a time and anger has a place. And the temple at Jerusalem... This is the venue that safeguards the Ark of the Covenant, the gift and guide for living life with God. This is the house that focuses God's promise of presence with his people. But now in Jesus' day, the building is not achieving its aims and and objectives. And Jesus is consumed with zeal, with passion for the house to bring about true encounter with God and real forgiveness. The temple is stuffed with commerce and busyness. And he yearns for it to reflect God's heart, open and wide and available to all, privileged and poor alike. So there's a time and a place and an action. Jesus stands in the long line of Old Testament prophets, a a line of those specifically called by God to speak for God. Thus says the Lord. Of course, Jesus is so much more than a prophet, but by the presentation of his action in the temple, we're led to view him this way. He repeats the themes that so many of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Amos, prophets before him voiced. Like many of his predecessors, he takes on his message and communicates it through both word and action. What might Jesus' expression of God's righteous anger teach us about our own appropriate expression of anger? So often for me, Anger involves an outburst. At the wrong time, 
in the wrong place and in the wrong way. It draws that look. I hope to suggest that there may be a time and a place for acting out of anger, which is appropriate and even fruitful and even God-given. Our own emotions of anger will need some sifting and sorting, though, accompanied by a generous dose of prayer. To recognize the misplaced anger, to deal with the guilty anger, and then to sit patiently and gently with the righteous anger that remains after the dross is burned away. I'll just sit with is, is not, to, not to simmer like a pan with a lid on it that rattles as the steam seeps out. Rather, perhaps it's to gently acknowledge it, to bring it into God's presence, in honesty to lay it before God and see what comes back. If this anger is godly, that is, does it in some way reflect God's heart for the world? If God's anger is the fire of his love, we might ask ourselves if our anger is springing from a place of steadfast love, from a consistent longing for constructive change, for the fullness of God's kingdom on earth. After biding the time, what then may be the place for anger, the patient, constructive, loving kind of anger? Jesus chose the strategic place for expressing and communicating it. He knew what he was doing in John 2. The temple is the religious headquarters where the powers that be hold, hold their grip in Jerusalem. It's also the point where pilgrims are, are traveling in for the Passover meal with an expectation of rediscovering God. This plan is strategic, however, not because it just offers him maximum publicity. It's not a stage but maximum openness and maximum potential for being understood, for bringing about real and constructive change. Righteous anger is not necessarily something to be swallowed before the sun goes down. Rather, and this is the strange thing where I've been working this entire sermon, it may be a gift. Anger may be a gift from God, God's holy passion coming alive through you to be used and voiced and stewarded and acted on anything but not stuffed down we all have different gifts and we don't normally think of anger belonging in the gifts of the body but maybe it should and if this is your gift then it seems likely to be a feature of your calling to serve God one way in which you're called to reflect the fire of God's love in the world. And the challenge for us, and this is no small challenge, is, is whether we can welcome this kind of righteous anger in the church. We won't all be called to this ministry. We certainly won't all find it comfortable. But we are called to be the body of Christ, the very temple which is the meeting place for God and the world. And maybe there's a call for us in there. Maybe this morning we, we bring our anger forward. We can bring it to communion with us. We can offer it to God as a way to say, all right, God, what are we going to do with this? Do you want to heal this? Or is this something you intend to use for the healing of the world? And if, or should I say when, you find yourself with the gift of righteous anger, it may be that you need to seek the time and find the place where it might turn to action for change. The holy fire of God's love, ushering God's kingdom of peace and justice. Amen.